0: Hey guys, one quick note before the episode, I forgot to say at the beginning while I was recording that this episode happens to contain a little bit of adult-themed comment. It's not too explicit, but it's there, and if you have young listeners or young ears or you're kind of sensitive to that thing, you might just want to hop on down the line to a different story. This one is not for you. Okay, that said, we'll move right into the tale. Hello out there, Quarantine Land. I am your host, AJ Hannenberg, and welcome to Quarantine Stuff You Should Know. If you're curious what this is all about, you can go back and listen to the Quarantine Stuff You Should Know intro po- podcast. Usually, though, it's this is classical stuff you should know, and there are three of us, it's just that they're quarantining away from me and can't be a part of this project. So I'm bringing you stories from the Decameron, and we are on story number 12, day two, story two. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Oh, I forgot to say I'm I'm exhausted. I hope this goes goes okay. It's pretty late, and I forgot that we had thesis week this week. So if the episodes are a little sparse and I'm a little bit I don't know, loosey goosey, flopsy wopsy, then you'll know why. It's because uh, this is a pretty intense time for us every year. All right. Well, Philostrato was the next storyteller, and he began. My story involves a mixture of piety, misfortune, and love, and it's profitable for those who hear it, and especially for those who've wandered through the hazardous lands of love, where anyone who's not said the prayer to St. Julian over and over again will find bad lodging no matter how good his bed might be. So St. Julian, for our listener, I think he's referring to St. Julian the Hospitaller, who is the patron saint of travelers. If you want to find out about the Hospitallers, go back and listen to Graham's episode on the Templars. Okay, the story goes. During the rule of Marquis Asso de Ferrara, a merchant named Rinaldo d'Asti was returning home from Bologna, where he had gone to take care of some business. As he was past Ferrara and riding toward Verona, he fell in with a group of three guys who looked like merchants, but turned out to actually be bandits, a trio of totally disreputable wicked fellows. He struck up some conversation with them, and they seemed kind of nice, so he decided to ride along. The three guys saw that he was a merchant and guessed that he must have money somewhere on him, so they decided to rob him the very first chance they got. Meanwhile, as they rode along, they needed him to believe that they were nice, and so they tried to appear as humble and as unthreatening as possible by discussing matters of trust and honesty. Uh, as Ronaldo was traveling with only a single servant, he thought it was a pretty good luck to find three trustworthy fellows to ride along with to keep off the bandits. <laughs> So as they rode along, they had been talking and eventually they got to the subject of prayer as any three guys trying to appear humble and one actually, you know, fairly holy guy will happen to come across that subject. Man, I nailed that sentence. Moving on. And one of the guys asked Ronaldo, what prayer do you usually say when you're traveling? Ronaldo says, to tell the truth, in such matters, I'm kind of an old fashioned guy and I'll tell you that two solely are 24 denarii. Listener, that's a measure of money back then. Two soldi really were 24 denarii, so he's kind of saying, I'll I'll give it to you straight. He continues. So I don't have many prayers on hand. Still, when I'm traveling, I never leave without saying an Our Father and a Hail Mary for the souls of St. Julian's father and mother. And after that, I pray to the saint himself and to God to find me good lodging on the night to come. During my travels, I'm exposed to many dangers. But I've escaped them all and always found myself at night in a safe place where there was a comfortable inn. I therefore firmly believe that St. Julian, uh, in whose honor I always say my prayer, interceded with God to obtain this grace for me, and that if I failed to say the prayer in the morning, without a doubt, I would not have a good day or arrive safely at night. And the bandit says, And did you say that prayer this morning? Well, yes, indeed, replied Rinaldo. And then the bandit, who already knew that they were going to rob him, said to himself, well, you're going to really need that prayer because if our plan succeeds, I think you're going to find pretty bad lodging tonight. I can only imagine he was like turned away and doing the hand, like tapping his fingers against each other like all the bad guys do. And so the bandit turns to Ronaldo and says, I've done a lot of traveling too. And although I've never recited that prayer, which I've heard many people like, I never wound up with a bad end. And perhaps you'll be able to discover, to discover this evening which of us has the better prayer. You've who said the prayer to Julian, or I who have not. I do say the Dura and the Netamarata and the De Profundis, which are all very effective. Or so my grandma used to say. They finally reached a river crossing between uh, beyond Castel Guiglielmo. It was out of the way, and so, because they were kind of out of the way, and it was getting close to night, they robbed him there and left him with, on foot with nothing but his shirt. They took his horse, they took his money, they took everything. And riding off, they said, as they sort of galloped away, now go and see if your Saint Julian will give you good lodging tonight. Our Saint is going to certainly provide some for us. His servant, who was pretty useless because he was traveling with just one guy, galloped off the way they had come and didn't stop until he reached Castel Guiglielmo. He found an inn and like went to sleep and never thought about it twice. Ronaldo, barefooted in just a shirt, was kind of in a bad spot because it was cold, it was just about nighttime, and heavy snow was just dumping down on them. He looked all over for shelter, but because there had just been a war in the countryside, all the barns had just been burned to the ground, so there was, there was just no place to say, stay that wasn't already burnt to the floor. So he thought, maybe I can make it to Castel Guiglielmo, which was a fortress. Maybe God will help me. So he started hiking that way, running to kind of keep warm. In the middle of the night, he was still a mile away. And when he finally got there, the gate was locked because it was just so dang late. He was totally shivering and weeping inconsolably. And so he started to try to find something to get out of the the elements. And he happened to spy one of the houses sort of jutting out over the wall of this castle. And he thought, hey... I can just go and stay under that overhang and maybe I will escape death by freezing. So he went over there and he found a little door kind of in the wall under the house and gathered up some straw and sort of just leaned against it. And as he was leaning there, he would just complained to St. Julian because this is not what he deserved for his faithfulness. But St. Julian was watching out for him anyway. He just didn't know it. In the fortress, there was a widow. Who was one of the most beautiful women in the town and marquis azo having fallen deeply in love with this woman set her up for his kind of secret pleasure in this very house that that uh, our hero happened to be leaning against by chance the marquis had come to the fortress that day intending to spend the night with the widow and had made arrangements for a bath and a delicious supper but just when it was ready Business came, uh, a servant came with a message that the Marquis was needed elsewhere, and so the Marquis had to leave instantly, and he left and sent a servant with word to the lady pretty much not to wake up. He's not going to be back. She was disconsolate, just falling apart. She was really excited to see the Marquis, so she decided to have the bath herself and eat the supper herself, and the bath was near the door, and so while she was in the bath, she heard someone on the outside rustling against the door and with his teeth chattering like a stork like a stork's beak. And so she told her maid to go upstairs, peek out over the wall and kind of see who it was. So the maid hustles up there, looks over the wall, asks the man who he was and so he explains what happened, where he came from, who he was and begged if she couldn't do something to save him from freezing to death. Well, she ran down and told her mistress and the mistress uh, thought, well, I have the key to that door because it's a secret door that the marquee sometimes uses to come see me and there's plenty of room and I have all this food. So why don't we let him in? And the maid praised her humanity and brought him in. And she saw that he was nigh froze through. And so she said, hey, why don't you get in the bath, right? Take this bath, warm up, and maybe we'll have a meal afterwards. He hopped in and it was like he was saved from death. He revived fully. He felt so good. His teeth stopped chattering and it was like a man anew. And so when he climbed out, He had only a shirt, so she had her maid dress him in her husband's old clothes. Turns out, he's kind of the same size, and they fit him impeccably, like they were made for him. He started thanking St. Julian. Look at these wonderful lodgings, brand new clothes, beautiful lady, nice. Meanwhile, the lady had her maid light a great fire, and when the maid was lighting the fire, she asked, hey, how's the guy doing? And the maid says, well, he's dressed and looks so handsome, like a proper gentleman. The lady says, well, go and call him. Tell him to come have supper by the fire. He entered and appeared to be a quality guy with really great manners. And so she asked him about what had happened and he told her the whole story. She already knew about it since the servant had, or she, she already knew something of what had happened because the servant had wrote, wrote, had ridden into town earlier and kind of didn't keep his mouth shut about it. So she said, oh, it kind of verified his story, right? This guy clearly wasn't lying. So they ate, and as they ate, turns out that Ronaldo was fine, tall, handsome, in the prime of his life, and as she glanced over at him, you know, pretty regularly through the meal, she saw that there was a lot there that was likable, there was a lot there to like, and what's more, she was feeling kind of amorous, since thoughts of the Marquis had aroused her carnal appetites, therefore, after supper, she went to consult her maid and asked her if she thought it was a good idea to, you know, uh, make use of the gift that fortune had sent her, seeing as how the Marquis had left her alone. And the maid essentially said, go for it. So she returned to the fire and said, oh, Rinaldo, why are you so pensive? Don't you think you can find something to compensate for the loss of a horse and a few clothes? Relax and cheer up. I'd like you to feel right at home here. Actually, there's something more I want to say to you. Seeing you there in these clothes, I reminded so much of my late husband, and I've wanted to give you a hug and a kiss at least a hundred times this evening. In fact, if I hadn't have been afraid, you might dislike it. I'd have done so already for sure. Rinaldo, who was no fool, saw the gleam in the lady's eyes and approached her with open arms and said, My lady, I shall always have you to thank for my life. And when I consider what you've rescued me from, I think it would be discourteous of me indeed not to try as hard as I can to do whatever I, you know, whatever makes you happy. So come hug and kiss me to your heart's content and be more, and I'd be more than happy to do the same. After that, they really didn't talk very much. The, she threw herself into her, his arms and gave him a thousand kisses and received just as many back and they headed to bed. And I'm going to gloss over a little bit here. And they, they came, they, they, uh, they went, they went to bed. That's all I'll say. So as dawn came, she gave him some shabby clothes, not like the nice one from her husband, filled his purse with money, and gave him the the directions to find his servant at the inn, and showed him out the same door that he had come in by. She wanted to keep this secret, and that was the easiest way to get him back out of the castle. As soon as it was daylight and the gates opened, he pretended to come from far away and entered the gates into the castle. He, put on, he found his servant and put on some new clothes from his saddlebag— and was about to mount his servant's horse when who should come through the the gates but the three bandits that had robbed him. They were being brought into the fortress, having been arrested for some other crime. He saw them, called them out, they confessed, and as a result, Rinaldo got his horseback, his clothes, and his money, and he wound up losing only a pair of garters, which the bandits couldn't really account for. And so it was that Rinaldo gave thanks to Saint Julian and God— mounted his horse, and returned home safe and sound, whereas the next day the three bandits were left kicking their heels in the north wind. All right, thanks for listening. I I, I think I, I'm way too tired to have any thoughts on this one. Uh, I thought this was a pretty entertaining story. I am looking forward to more from the Decameron, and I hope you are staying safe out there, staying healthy, and my prayers go out to anybody who is struggling in this rough time. Uh, yeah, so... Stay safe out there everybody. My my heart goes out to you. Thanks. Bye.